Welcome to the Engage and Empower podcast. Behind every successful company is an intentional and innovative approach to empowering your most valuable asset, your people. Join me in having conversations with people and talent leaders as we share our journeys and unpack what it takes to build strong, cohesive teams and employee experiences. From executives at early stage startups to innovators at large public companies, we'll capture the compelling stories of the people behind People Teams. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Engage and Empower podcast. I'm your host, Resika Rajagopalan, and today I am super excited to be chatting with the VP of People Operations at MeUndies, Ellen Sweeney. Ellen has over a decade of experience in the people and culture space, and I love her empathetic approach to building people programs and her mission to really unlock the potential of each employee that she supports. So Ellen, thank you so much for making time for the show. I'm so glad to be here, Rustica. Thanks for having me. If you wouldn't mind getting us started by giving listeners just a quick background and intro on you and on me undies, that would be great. Absolutely. So again, I'm Ellen. I am the VP of People Ops at MeUndies. Um, I have been there for about six years. Prior to that, I actually had started my career in hospitality and then made the jump into startups, starting with Pressed Juicery. And then from Pressed Juicery, I moved on to MeUndies, where I've been for some time now. If you're not familiar with MeUndies, MeUndies is an e-commerce underwear and basics company. We're membership-based and make all sorts of awesome products ranging from underwear to bralettes to loungewear and continuing to expand our product lines into the future. And it's an awesome company to be a part of. And if you've not tried our product yet, this is a shameless plug, but you absolutely should because it is amazing. Totally. My husband actually is a big, big fan. I think I was telling you before we started that he's been trying to get me to get their pajamas, which I think I'm gonna have to pull the trigger on, especially since we live in a world where I could wear them while I'm working and no one will know. It is a very good choice. It is great at home wear and the lounge pant is one of my favorite things that you can honestly get away with wearing it in public if you'd like to do that too, which is great. Totally, totally. Well, that's awesome. I'd love to get into you know your story at Me Undies five years, six years. That's a really long time in a startup world. So I'm sure there's a ton of cool things that you've been working on there. But even before that, I'd love to kind of hear the story of how you ended up in the people ops space because you know you've worked in various industries in the past. So tell me how you landed in your current role. Yeah, I started in hospitality. That's actually why I had moved from the Midwest to Los Angeles because I really I loved creating experiences for people and being a part of serving people and bringing them joy. And so for me, that really was hospitality. So I worked in high-end hotels in kind of front office operations and then in event management for some high-end properties in Los Angeles. And I loved it. But I realized after a few years, that really wasn't the long-term industry for me. It's a lot of working holidays. It is a lot of not a clear schedule. And it kind of didn't align with the priorities as I sort of grew up a little bit more. And so I made a conscious decision to try and jump into the startup space, which when I had first moved to Los Angeles, I really didn't even know what a startup was. And it really kind of came to the forefront after I'd been here for a few years. And it felt like a really great way to to find my footing and figure out what I really enjoy in a more corporate environment. 
So that's when I joined Press Juicery and they were quite small when I joined. So I had a lot of great opportunity to have a variety of roles while I was there, ranging from customer experience to corporate sales, dabbling in marketing here and there. But they ultimately had a company culture position open and they offered it to anybody who was internal that might want to apply for the role. And it didn't even cross my mind. I didn't occur to me. And several people said, Ellen, this is the job that you should be doing. You absolutely should apply. And I was like, no, 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 I have no interest in people ops. That's not what I want to do. HR. <laughs> yeah, I was like, HR sounds like a snooze, not something for me. And with lots of pleading from my colleagues, I decided, you know what, whatever, let's just go for it. This is why I'm in a startup to see what I love. And so I applied for the position. I ended up getting it. And that is how People Ops Ellen was born. I realized pretty quickly that it actually was quite similar to hospitality in the sense that you're serving people, you're creating great experiences, and you're a big part of why somebody has a great experience somewhere, in this case, a workplace. So after that, I enjoy doing it at Press Juicery, but I realized I really wanted to have proper kind of HR training from the beginning. Company culture is one very important aspect of people ops, but it's also not the only one. And so I came across me undies by way of friend who reached out and it seemed perfect. It was an office and culture role. And it felt like a great way to kind of start at the ground level of people ops and really learn everything. And that's what happened. So I started in that role as one of the earlier hires at MeUndies. And since then, I was able to have positions in recruiting and people operations and kind of HR business partner type roles. And now my current role, a VP of people ops. So a lot happened in those six years. I'm breezing through it. But it was an incredible opportunity to just learn by doing and grow very fast for the fast growing company. So it has been a very exciting journey. Yeah, what a great story. I feel like it really shows both the beauty of working in startups where you get to wear so many different hats and get exposed to so many different aspects of the business, which I think is a draw to a lot of people, as well as that importance in having strong internal mobility programs or, you know, offering roles that you have, you know, employees of all backgrounds, they're able to apply and join. So I love to hear it. I feel like HR has had such a bad rap for a long time. And obviously, now it's a much different field than it was even 10 years ago. But similarly, for myself, I can relate. It's not something I ever even remotely thought I'd find interesting, let alone build a career out of it. And when I transitioned into the field, so many of my friends were like, wait, why? Like, why HR? Like, why, why do you want to do that? And it's had such a new identity now. And it's almost self-fulfilling in the sense that this new identity, this new modern era of people and culture is bringing even more folks from new backgrounds and kind of driving this evolution and progression of the field forward more and more quickly. So it's really cool to see that. Yeah, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And it really is. It's exciting to be a part of the change of people ops and the perception that people have of people ops. It's really exciting to be surrounded with leaders like yourself and many others who are kind of paving that way for what people ops should be and can be. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, totally. So how have you seen the field change over the last five, 10 years? And what do you think is next? Like, I've seen, you know, a lot of focus around diversity, equity and belonging. Now we're seeing a lot of focus around like, how do we enable distributed work? You've seen, you know, you've seen this, like, how do we scale really quickly? And what are the foundations we need to put like so many different waves of knowledge and innovation? So what have you seen? And what do you think we haven't cracked just yet or that we're on the cusp of? It's interesting because I think 
10 years ago or even five years ago, there was such a huge emphasis of flashiest office, flashiest perks, right? There's a slide, there's a beer keg, we have happy hour all of the time. And I think that that was a great tool to recruit people at that time. And it's really shifted to this place of what really keeps people retained and happy is actually not slides in the office, but rather programming to help their development, whether that's learning and development programming or clear annual review processes or creating an equitable workplace. It's all of these things that are actually a lot more about employee and human needs versus the fun, nice to have kind of gimmicky things. And so I think that it's been really exciting to see it sort of transition toward being very focused on how do we grow our people so that we can, one, retain them and create more efficiency for them as workers, but also set them up for success if they want to go on and start their own company or work somewhere else. How do we do that by helping them grow? I would also say in terms of trying to still grasp, I think a lot of people are still trying to find their footing in diversity and inclusion. And I think many are still of the belief that it's sort of a, oh, we are going to check this box. We did the training. We're ready to go. And I think people are still trying to sort of understand that that's not really going to impact long-term change at their company or in the world, but rather it's a marathon and not a sprint. And it's really re-evaluating how you do everything to make sure that that change exists for the rest of time for your company versus, okay, we figured that out in 2020 and now we're on to the next stuff. So I think it'll be interesting to see how people continue to navigate that and learn and grow and, and understand how they can really do the right thing by their organization. Oh, totally. I think even to your point on diversity, even the language that's being used has evolved so much over the last year. I remember first you heard, okay, we need to focus on diversity. And it was all just about hiring. How do we bring in a diverse group of people? Then you heard diversity and inclusion. Then it was diversity, equity, inclusion, then diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And so I think we've started to really understand the complexity behind these types of themes. And to your point, initially, it was like, okay, you know, focus on pipeline, focusing on bringing in candidates, focus on the office experience. And now we're realizing how many components there are. And I think it's almost overwhelming sometimes because, you know, where do you start? What moves the needle where? And I very much agree with you that I think this is an area that we're all still learning a lot around together. And it's definitely an exciting time. So yeah, there was something else you mentioned earlier too, around the perks in the office and, you know, how that was sort of one of the ways that tech and people teams position themselves early. And I think that shift has really enabled us to be much more strategic partners to the business when we're thinking about how to develop and grow our employees. We're really thinking long term around what skills and what types of responsibilities and things like that are going to position ourselves as a business. And I think that's put us in a better place now where all those perks don't really mean anything because we're all working distributedly. And so I think for the companies that have prioritized that, you know, we're better able to operate as a business as a result of some of the strong people programs that, you know, we've invested in. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So I guess what are you doing as a people leader to prepare yourself for some of those new challenges, whether it's, you know, how you're thinking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging at MeUndies, or, you know, how you build strong learning and development programs for your teams or how you coach, like how do you invest in your own growth and development? And is there something that you've, you know, intentionally set for the new year 2021 to really dig into? 
It's been 2020 was so interesting because I've always tried to, you know, have a network of people leaders around me that we can touch base because people ops is evolving so often. I do think it's so important to have tabs on what's going on at other companies and really learn from those people. And 2020 more than ever, I saw the people ops community really leaning on each other to understand how to navigate all of these challenges we were going through for the very first time. And it was incredible. I'm in a few HR Slack groups that are put on, you know, by Culture Amp and some other tools. And they were so amazing of people sharing, hey, this is what we came out with this policy for remote work, or this is what came out with what we're doing for mental well-being for our team members and so on. And so it was really great to be able to just sort of knowledge share and build our own programs based on learning and talking with other people. So a lot of that was happening and continuing into this year. And I would say going to your question sort of about my own growth and development, it's so important, especially for people leaders, to take the time to invest in their own, not only development, but mental well-being, because we're so much in this position where we're supporting everybody around us. And if you're not taking care of yourself and doing that, it's a lot harder to show up for the team that you're really supporting. So 2020 was crazy. And this year is off to a crazy start too. And so it's been really important for me to just prioritize my mental well-being, whether that's making sure I'm taking walks during the day or things like that. I also enjoy webinars and podcasts and these things. I actually am about to complete my leadership coach certification, which I've done through IPEC over the last six months. And that has been a really exciting thing for me to really elevate myself is how to be able to coach in group settings at Meandies to one-on-one individual settings. And that I think has been really helpful to set me up for success and those around me up for further success and their growth. And then as far as your question about intention for the new year, I think is again, just like continuing to invest in myself and make sure that I'm prioritizing checking in on the team members at MeUndies. I think we're moving at such a fast pace. There's so much going on, but not losing sight of making sure that everybody's mental well-being is accounted for as we best can as people leaders. That I think is going to be very important going into the coming month. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to sort of be those culture champions and to sort of be the model for some of the things we want to encourage employees to do. Like if it is take time in the middle of the day to exercise, go on a walk, if it's making sure that we take a week off during the holidays, two weeks off, whatever it is that we need, I think that really shows that this is as important as your job is to take care of yourself. And I know, you know, this past year was a tough one for a lot of us. And so I think that's a great thing to make sure we continue to prioritize. On the coaching front, I'm curious, how, what did you learn from that program? How have you applied some of that stuff virtually? I know coaching over the screen is definitely a lot different. So what did you take from that? It's been really interesting because I've always felt that one of my strengths already was the ability to coach. But something that I've really learned in the program is coaching. Sometimes you can confuse coaching and kind of consulting or helping somebody find the answer or giving them the answer. But coaching is really taking this position of allowing somebody to get to that answer themselves. And so it's been really, really helpful for me to understand what types of questions to ask and what ways to kind of take a conversation to make sure that the person that you're coaching is arriving at the conclusion that's best for them versus what I'm recommending based on my experience, right? So it's really been able to help 
I guess, target the coaching to everybody and help unlock their potential more than I've ever been able to do before. So that has been probably the biggest immediate win is types of questions to ask and like where to dig to really help people get the most out of what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah. In your role, do you usually coach other managers or employees? Or are you also coaching others on your executive team as well? A little mix of both. Yeah, it's certainly a mix of all sorts of things, whether it's coaching an executive through how to handle a certain situation within their team, or coaching a more junior team member with how do you have a compensation conversation with your manager if that's never something they've done before. So sort of all across the board, as well as coaching the other members of the people ops team. And it's something that I really enjoy because that really goes back to sort of why I wanted to get into people ops in the first place, which is really to like unlock people's potential to be able to give them the best experience possible. And that's why I think there's such high value in in coaching those around you and helping set them up for success, no matter who they are. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's probably arguably one of the most important skills in our jobs because of oftentimes you don't have someone in a people role that's necessarily coming from a technical background or a marketing background or, you know, a sales background. And so as you're advising a lot of these managers or coaching them, other executives, you really can't teach. You can't tell them what to do because you don't know. And so the value that you're able to bring is really helping them think about all of these critical questions they should be asking as they get to an answer, thinking long-term versus short-term, thinking risk versus rewards. And it's great that you have been able to invest in that. I think more companies should definitely ensure that their people ops or talent professionals are able to get some of that experience because it's hard to develop. It's not you know, an easy skill that we grow up kind of leveraging all the time. And so that is awesome. Alongside some of that coaching stuff, how have you made yourself visible as a people team or made sure that you're able to build relationships with people, you're in front of people, people kind of know what your role is and how you're involved, especially as we've moved into a more distributed company, at least for time being? For our people team, it's really important from the moment somebody starts interviewing with us, they're really starting to become acclimated with MeUndies and who we are, and especially the people team, so that by the time they have an offer and they're onboarding and they've joined the company, they have a comfortable relationship with our recruiter, our people operations manager, our people operations coordinator, and myself, so that they really understand that they already have four allies in the people ops team of people to go to for various things. Our When we had to go remote, our recruiter and people ops manager both did such an amazing job of not missing a beat and totally shifting how we were doing everything to still make it as feeling like we were together as possible in this situation. And I think that that really helps so that anybody who has joined virtually feels connected from the get-go. And then, you know, the people who are already employed with us have met us in person and built relationships with us in person. But it's still really important to make sure that we're available because it used to be so easy to just swing by our desk and say, hey, do you have five minutes to talk? And now you have to send us Slack. And that's like an extra barrier to entry to talk to us. And so it's been really important for us to make sure that we're slacking people and just saying, hey, just checking in how it's going or making sure we're at all of the virtual events that we're doing or communicating with people, following up on surveys that we send via Culture Amp or in all voices or these various tools we use just to make sure that like our pulse remains on on what's happening at the company and that we're still just as available as, as we've always been. Right. Yeah. I think I love the idea of getting in front of really building the relationship, even at the offer stage, the hiring stage. I remember 
at one of my last companies on Fridays, the recruiting team would always take out the group of new hires for lunch. And it was just one of those things where I was like, you know, our relationship was the beginning to a much longer term working relationship, showing them that they were super excited about having them here, but also really trying to understand like, how did sort of expectations sort of pair up? Like, how was the first week? Was this exactly what you're looking for? And really showing that sort of interest. And so I think those types of programs are really cool. I also think that, you know, a lot of, to your point, uh, a lot of us initially, as we sort of flip of a light switch, went to work remotely, we're like, oh, oh no, right? Like we're losing this opportunity. We're losing this FaceTime. It's like barrier to entry, whatever. But I think now we're at a point where we're like, well, what are the advantages? There's just so many ways that we can capture many more voices. And in some scenarios, I find that previously, you know, you're reacting to squeaky wheels or the people that come forward that say, hey, you know, I have been thinking about this, I've been thinking about that. But now you have to be more intentional and capturing a much wider sort of group of voices. And I think balancing those two things together is actually something that's of tremendous value these days. So yeah, I really like that approach. So as you've been kind of thinking about, you know, your year and what you all are working on as people team, you've talked a lot about learning and development being something that, you know, you're really invested in at MeUndies. And so curious as to what programs you have or that you're working on to prepare other emerging leaders within the organization or equip them with leadership skills that will help them as they grow with you or even tactical skills as they work on new projects and kind of expand the scope of their roles. Yeah, we have two main programs for our learning and development. One is every employee has a learning and development budget that they can use however they please as related to their role and their growth. So previous not being able to do things in person, a lot of people would use those for conferences and things like that. And now we're seeing it used a lot more for virtual classes or certifications, books that they'd like to get, all sorts of things. And it's been really a great way for people to tap into the learning and development that is specific for their needs. At one point, we had tried to do L&D that sort of suited the whole organization. And we found those were very general high-level skills. But what an engineer wants is significantly different than what our graphic designer wants. So we really wanted them to be able to seek out what made sense for them and their personal growth. The other thing that we have that I absolutely love that we implemented at the beginning of 2020 is leadership coaching. So we work with a group called Sage, who I could not recommend more. They connect businesses with leadership coaches for their employees. So we ran sort of a, a beta test in 2020 with 10 of our employees who were all leadership level to have them partner with a coach. We, of course, cover the cost of that for 12 sessions. It went really well, extremely high feedback. And so we're actually this year rolling it into all people managers will be able to be paired with a coach through this year. And eventually, ideally, it's emerging people managers as well as we kind of continue to test out how it works. But it's been a really wonderful way for us to help grow and develop our team members, especially at a company of our size, right? We're about 75 people in our headquarters. So there's not necessarily a huge amount of leadership level people to sort of mentor all of our junior team members. So it's allowing them to find a mentor and coach that is outside of our organization to help them grow in soft skills, or some are more specific skills to their career. And it's been a, a very popular program and something that the team is excited about being able to be offered, which has been really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about this a lot in the people world, but Managing a team is not something that, you know, is a inherent skill to most people, yet we're usually thrown into it with a flip of a switch. 
It's not something that, you know, really happens in lots of other types of uh, roles where, you know, one day you're in sales and the next day you're in like engineering or something like that. And they're very different. And so just as we have managers that we have regular one-on-ones with that generally guide us more tactically, I think equipping your people management team with a resource that can support them through their growth as you know, a people manager is a really great asset. And that's awesome that you've really enjoyed working with Sage. I'll definitely have to check them out. I also think to your point around more targeted learning and development programs, that's something that I think is also really well suited for the virtual world because these large group trainings just don't hit the same way as they do, to be honest with you, in-person settings. You just Everybody's not sort of feeling the same energy of the room. It's hard to do really long trainings, like things have to just sort of be delivered differently. And so I think, you know, we're just moving to more and more flexibility. And so with that too, flexibility and how people go about their own learning and development and what types of programs and resources they're going to find more helpful, I think setting them up to take advantage of that is really cool. So as you think about, you know, your longer term work plan and how things have been going, do you feel like remote work is, you know, working for me undies? Do you think hybridized models work? What have some of the sentiments and reflections been as you think about this upcoming year? Remote work is actually going really well for us. As you said earlier, right? It was just like the flip of a switch. One moment we're in the office and the next everyone's packing up their things thinking we're going to be gone for two weeks. And here we are and it's going to be over a year before we return to the office. So remote work is actually going quite well. We've been able to make it work, which has been awesome. And that's much of thanks to our team being able to just roll with the punches and dive in and figure it out as well. We've done a lot of surveying this past year to understand what people want in the future of remote work when it is safe to return to the office. Obviously, we're seeing places like Zoom and these large tech companies saying, hey, we're full remote cool, that's what the future is going to be, which we would love to be able to do. But with a physical product, it is a little bit more complex because we do have people that have to come into the space to be able to collaborate on the product and so on. And so we've really tried to understand from the team, what do you want? And how do we appease what everybody wants? And so in our surveying, we really learned a lot about remote work is important to people. And it really came down to the fact that they've realized in this new environment that they have so much more time for life balance, more time to be able to eat dinner with their families, less time commuting, so more time being able to exercise and invest in themselves, things like that. But we also found that there are people who really miss the in-person interaction and are chomping at the bit to be able to be back for that kind of social aspect of the workplace. And so we actually just finalized kind of what we're going to be doing moving forward and rolled that out to the team. So we are going to be going forward with a hybrid model. That will be after we're allowed to go back safely. So who's to say when that's going to be right now? We've said June 2021, but I think it's probably likely going to be later than that. And that hybrid model is kind of a mix of remote work and what we're calling flex work, which is coming into the office some days a week, but not because we want to just see you sitting there working, but really for collaborative purposes or cross-functional meetings that those need to take place in person. And that way, we hope that it's still able to give the flexibility to our team that they desire, but it still scratches that itch for that collaborative kind of nature of work. And we'll be shifting sort of the setup of our office, which right now is your standard conference rooms, desk clusters. It's an open floor plan. 
And we're reshifting it a little bit to be more of kind of a we work setup with a very nice kitchen, collaborative spaces, putting in a room specifically for product fittings and making it more of a hot desk sort of collaborative workplace, which I think will be really interesting and exciting and kind of a welcomed change once we are able to go back to the office. Yeah, I really like that model. I think the most important thing is that you're intentional because I feel like initially companies were like, you know, we're we're seeing value in remote work. So whenever things open up, people can do whatever they want. They can come in, they can stay at home, like whatever works for them. But then I think you run into this issue of like, what if you have this office and four people come every day? Or, you know, you're the only one on your team that comes in and you never see anyone. And I think there's value and intentionality in how do people want to be supported and how do we provide enough guidance to build an environment where there's, you know, that collaboration that people are looking for, that FaceTime that people are looking for, balanced with the flexibility. I like the fact that you're remodeling the office as well to serve that purpose because the reality is most offices have a ton of desks and like very few collaborative spaces. And so what really is the value in coming into to work at the setup that you probably have perfected at home? I'm curious, are you looking to have everyone come in on certain days or have certain teams come in on certain days or what will that look like? Or have you thought through that? Yeah. So we considered that, but ultimately decided having certain days really wouldn't check the box of what people needed in terms of flexibility, right? Because if one person needs to be home with their family on Tuesdays and another person needs to pick up their kids from soccer on Wednesdays, then demanding everybody come in on Wednesdays doesn't help everybody. So We've actually positioned it as some of the employees are grouped as remote employees, and there's no expectation that they have to come into the office, but they can if they would like to anytime. And the other group of employees is categorized into flex employees, and it is they should anticipate that they may need to come into the office three days a week whenever they need to as determined at a department level, but they can also come in more often than that. And an important distinction of the three days for the flex employees, it's not, hey, you have to come in three days a week because we want to see you there. It's plan your life around the fact that there will be some times that you're coming in three days a week. There might be some times you don't have to come in at all, depending on what's going on. So we try to leave it very much still open for people to create that flexibility that they desire. But I anticipate in practice, we'll see that the days of the week that people are coming in are generally probably the same ones because that's when they'll want to be collaborating with others and so on. Right, right. Yeah, I think that makes sense. How are you thinking of, you know, hiring? Because that's another area where I think a lot of people are like, do we open up a bunch of remote roles? Do we open up roles that are geographically located where, you know, maybe they won't be working in this spot for six months, but we want them there eventually? Does it just kind of depend on the group or are you more open to distributed work on every team than you were in the past or what does that look like? Yeah, at our size, we're not able to have employees outside the state of California at this time. So that makes it a little bit easier from the standpoint that everybody does need to be in California. That's an employee of MeUndies. That said, we're more than open to people being outside of the Los Angeles area, especially if they're categorized as a remote worker. But People can live wherever they please as long as they're okay with the commute, knowing that they may have to come in from time to time. But we're certainly open to people in California, wherever they may be, if they're they're willing to make it work to come to the office as needed. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Well, it'll be, I'm really interested to see how the landscape will shift over the next five, 10 years. I almost feel like we're in this like industrial revolution-esque period where things are just changing so quickly. And we'll look back and this was clearly, you know, a pivotal moment to drive change through the ways that, you know, millions of people are working. And so I'm excited to see what the future will look like. And I think 
at best, it's just going to provide tons of options to different people. Like, I don't think in-person office work is going away. I don't think we're all going remote forever. I don't think, I think there are just going to be lots of options and you'll be able to kind of choose an environment that works really well for you. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that evolves. So one of the things that I think is really cool about you and your role at MeUndies is you started when the company was really small and you're still here continuing to lead the team and build programs. And so in some ways, it's almost like founders who had their first line of code and you know they're seeing that company grow. You've also sort of had a hand in building a lot of those core foundational programs. And so I'm curious as to, as the company has grown, how have you as a manager, leader for the people team, like I'm sure, you know, you were the business partner, you were the person that was onboarding everyone, you were the person that were thinking about, you know, how do we build strong culture and office experience. And so how do you coach versus teach around your own team? I'm sure like, there's a lot that you have to let go of and delegate as the company grows. And that can be hard, especially when it's your baby. And so how has that experience been? And what's your advice to other sort of people leaders that are going through that type of growth phase and are going through that similar thing? Yeah, that's certainly one of the hardest parts, especially being a very early employee is as the company grows, you're constantly relinquishing control of things that you once oversaw. And so I think that was definitely one of the biggest early challenges when I became a people manager, whenever that was three or four years ago, and really kind of like trusting somebody else to be able to do something was a really a growth experience for me. And I think that I've found that just because I did something one way, most of the time, anybody new in the position is going to find a way better way to do it. They're going to iterate on it and make it a million times better than I could have. And I really have seen that, right? It gets stale when it's the same person doing it all of the time. So it's really exciting to see a new set of eyes or people be able to say, hey, this way that we used to do the company retreat, let's change it to do this because they actually think it would go better. It's like, awesome. You know better than I do. And so I think really leaning into knowing that your director reports and your team is going to bring a new outlook on the way that you've been doing things is actually very exciting for the company. And you should absolutely allow that. And it's really exciting seeing the members of the people team get to grow and really own things and be able to probably function without me, which is really the goal. No, that's a great way to look at it. I mean, startup life is inherently fast, not flawless. Like if we did everything in a flawless way, we wouldn't be moving quickly enough. And so I think that's a solid way to look at it. I think inherently everything is just a V1 and a way to kind of get things off the ground. And as we grow, you bring in more specialized talent, people that have done certain things before and are able to really take everything to the next level. So I think that's a great way of looking at it. Well, so my last question for you, this has been super, super fun. And I know you have, you're leading a team at this point, you've built all these great programs at MeUndies. And so what is the advice that you have to aspiring people and talent professionals as they navigate this field and build solutions for their people and their companies? Is there anything you've learned along the way that you have found yourself leaning on constantly? I think two things come to mind. One is, I think it can be very tempting as a people leader, especially when you're starting a new job to come in somewhere and say, I have all the answers. I know how to solve this. I know what tools to implement. And I think it is so, so, so important to take a step back and take a moment to really understand what the team who's currently there wants and desires. And whether you find that out via conversations or surveys, I really like to take the approach of putting it into the hands of the team members who have made the company what it is to understand what do you want? I have an opinion of what I think you might want. And maybe that opinion's right. I don't know, but I would really love to understand what 
you think is the need and what would make you tick so I can execute on that versus just my own personal vision. And I think that that is a really, really important thing to do, one, in a new job, but also checking yourself, right? I've been at MeUndies for six years. And sometimes I find myself thinking, oh, this is what people want. And then taking a pause back and saying, no, let's ask and find out. And then we can execute on what the real need is. Outside of that, I think the other probably advice, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, is just prioritizing your own mental well-being. I think people op, some people say, is a lonely place because you often don't have a person to talk to, right? You're the person that everybody talks to. And that can be really draining and doing that. And so making sure that you're finding ways to hit reset and invest in yourself and your own mental well-being is only going to help set you up for success to be able to continue showing up for the team that you're supporting. And I truly cannot emphasize enough how important that is to make sure that like you can keep growing, you can continue being successful, and you can continue setting your team up for success. Yeah, I think that's really, really good advice, especially as uh, to your first point, as people joining fast growing companies, there's such a temptation to want to just jump right in and say, well, this works, this works, this works. Let me make a quick impact. I'll implement everything I've learned at my last organization. And I mean, just as like two states are different, two cities are different, two companies are also very, very, very different. And that is a critical window you have as you join a company or as you scale in how you're building trust. And our roles are to listen and understand what people need. And so I think going in with that approach of like really listening, asking, trying to understand is important. And I think other executive leaders or you know managers of people professionals, one of the best things they can do is give someone the space as you're starting, like give people a space to get just do one-on-ones and learn what people are looking for. Reading the surveys that have been shared, I think is critical to setting you know somebody up for success. So I, I like that. And then on the taking time for yourself part, especially over Zoom, like you just, you know, you don't want to be that person that is like visually having a bad day because it's our role to be there to support everyone else. And so I think it's incredibly important to take time to just unplug and do what we need to do for ourselves because it enables us to show up even stronger. So yeah, well, Ellen, this has been so nice. I really appreciate you taking time to come on the show and hearing all about your evolution through your career and through, you know, everything you've been working on at MeUndies. So I'm excited to see you all grow and hear about all the awesome things you do. But thanks so much for sharing your story and for taking the time to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Rustica. It was so fun getting to chat with you. I love it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more stories like this, please subscribe for the weekly drop and feel free to share around with your people and talent colleagues. I'd love your feedback, so please leave a review and let us know what you enjoyed and what types of topics you'd like to see covered in the future. The more reviews and subscribers we get, the more quality content we can consistently deliver to you. If you're interested in being on the podcast, feel free to reach out to me at russica at engageandempower.org. See you next week.